In the 18th episode of Stack Overflow, we finally get to meet Michael Pryor, the co-founder of Fog Creek Software. And Joel and Jeff discuss the progress of the Stack Overflow beta in some depth from IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. Hi, Joel. Hey, it's Jeff. Yes, you're back. Hi, Jeff. Oh, and Michael's on the line. Nice. Yes, it's me. Today, we got uh, two Fog Creekians. Um, I'm, uh, to, for those of you who don't know, Michael Pryor is the co-founder of Fog Creek Software. And yes, well, welcome to the call. It's good to finally meet you. Thank you. You're Are you going to the business software conference? I am not. Oh, I thought you were. No, I'm. I'm not in the business of software. We should get you as a speaker next year. <laughs> I'm going to start my own conference, man, and I'm going to compete with you. I'm going to like right across the street from where your conference is. That'll be my conference. It'll be like the business of software by Jeff. It could be like business of software camp. Yes, that's right. A competing conference. Um, so we got a big week today, because I've been away for weeks and weeks. Yes. How was your trip, by the way, briefly? Uh, well, there were two trips involved there. The first trip was uh, the first week I I couldn't do it because I had to go up to Boston to talk to the Y Combinator startups and tell them how venture capital was bad and that Paul Graham was setting them on a course of self destruction and conflict with venture capitalists, which is something that he always right. likes me to talk about, and. Uh, uh, and last week was just my vacation. I was uh, off in uh, Israel, where it is hot. Right. Mentioned uh, that. But I do want to say that the uh, Mini Opera Mini is is an excellent browser for looking at Stack Overflow. I got oh, good. that. What kind of success did you have browsing Stack Overflow with Opera Mini? Uh, it worked. It, first of all, it worked great. Well, I guess the the, the main thing I want to say, and this is just sort of initial feedback, is that I am shocked how good Stack Overflow is. I mean, oh, well, that's good to hear. I was curious. Really, I was actually dying to talk to you this whole time because I, I was curious. We just never were able to schedule sort of a face-to-face, well, not even face-to-face, but a phone call for you to just look at the site and give me your initial <laughs> feedback. I know. I, and, so this and, is and, literally, you guys are hearing the first thing I've ever heard from Joel, specifically directly on, on Stack Overflow. Since the beta. The actual site. The actual I site heard him itself. exclaim. He said it was awesome. It really is. I mean... The first thing I noticed is that, like, the minute that you opened it up, people f- sort of flowed in and started asking questions, and they were getting answers, like, right away, even with a very small number, you know, even with a very small community of people. Right. And uh, so that was um, that was pretty awesome. I mean, that was a sign that it was going to work, really. Uh, but then, you know, I asked two questions, and the first one, I got an answer in 30 minutes, and the second one, you had answered an hour previously, <laughs> coincidentally, and the search worked great. So as soon as I typed... The subject and hit tab, it found the answer to my question. Cool. It was really Very amazing. Cool. I was trying to make, what was I trying to do? I was trying to make 
Oh, one of those. Uh, like I needed a regex for a URL that excluded trailing punctuation. Mm-hmm. Was that the one you answered? Everybody knows about that problem, right? You're trying to yeah. make a regular expression for a URL, and dots and commas and question marks are all legitimate and common in URLs. But if you're trying to take some text that somebody typed and make the URLs into hyperlinks, they, they often will write a URL and then a space and then a and then a period or a question mark or a comma that they didn't mean to be a part of the URL. Right. Well, actually, to be fair, I, I copied that. I use uh, this great tool, Regex Buddy, which I still think is by far the best tool on the market. And it has a library of common functions. And oh, this is actually a tool, not a website. Well, Regex Buddy is, is a tool, and oh. it has a corresponding website. If you do a search on regular expressions, it, it has pretty much the highest page rank of all the sites on just general Regex information, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy pretty much kind of wrote the book. I mean, he wrote he wrote pretty much his own Regex parser because it can. Uh, there's differences in the flavors of regular expressions on different platforms. Sure. This is an engine that's flexible enough it can actually emulate other libraries. How they <laughs> so it's like so, a com- it, it reminds me of uh, uh, ter- uh, Borland when they wrote Turbo Assembler. There was a command line argument that emulated the bugs from Microsoft Macro Assembler. Right. <laughs> yeah, some of them are pretty common. Like uh, in JavaScript regex, for example, you can't do um, backwards. Uh, references that go backwards, like backwards uh, matching. Uh, we're looking for things that precede the match. You can't really do that. Oh. For example, I mean, there's just all these little quirky little differences. I mean, the, the core functions are all the same in most JavaScript libraries. I have to say, once you get to anything more complicated than, like, you know, is this a number kind of regexps, it, it always looks to me like, I don't even want to say hieroglyphics. It looks to me like a puzzle, like one of those puzzles you find in the back of Make Magazine. Right. Uh, I've been, uh, since I'm at home a lot more, I've been trying to explain to, to my wife, Betsy, uh, just show her some of the things I'm working on. And it's interesting because she really loves puzzles. She does crosswords and mm-hmm. all these kind of puzzle things. And I, I have no patience for puzzles like that. But a regex Ooh, I, or I need, coding I need stuff, a puzzle. Hey, oh, you're a, you're a puzzler. That's right. You're the no, puzzle guy. That's yeah, right. I have to write my article like today. So if you have any good puzzles, tell me. But to me, a regex is to me is a puzzle that's actually fascinating. Like I, I, not to an absurd degree. I don't want to create something that's going to be hard for other programmers to maintain. Oh, but it always is. It's like those guardian cryptic crossword puzzles. It can be. I mean, it's it's definitely a, a trade-off there. Um, but I think you can make the same argument about like Lisp, for example, where it just looks like this indecipherable jumble of parens, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but to some people, that's fascinating, and they really enjoy that. And there, there's sort of a puzzle factor to code that. I think it's, there's an interesting crossover there. But I'm glad you got an answer to your question. I, anyway, I did oh, see yeah, that you posted. Yeah, um, I posted, on, not on that one. I asked a question on something else, I think. Yeah. And so uh, Actually, using the site, that's good. I thought I would go in and answer a bunch of questions, but they were all too hard for me. <laughs> not any of the answers. Yeah. Yeah, the community has been great. I think it's really a testament to the, the quality of the audiences we've been attracting. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's about them, really. It's about them having a place to go to do stuff that's, you know, it's easy and it's fast and it's simple and clean. Yeah. It's really, it's really a very simple proposition to me uh, that we're doing. It really, I mean, this is going to sound, our listeners are going to think we're the most self-smug, self-satisfied people that have ever <laughs> blessed the world. But, I mean, it really is clean and it works. It's so simple and clean. And yes. works, and I don't know. It looks clean. It doesn't have, 
Uh, maybe that's just like every new website starts out clean, and then there's all these people always trying to uh, sneak in things. Um, I have a question about Stack Overflow, Jeff, okay. for you. So when I was playing around with it, and I know that there's already a topic on this, but what what are you planning to do for the discussion versus answer issue when somebody's like coming on and they start having a discussion, but it's it's not clear the chronology of that discussion and it screws up the do you, right. know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the discussion gets all chopped up because of the voting. Yeah, well, I think the, the central problem is, and it, it was a little disconcerting. I mean, it's partially understandable because it's a new it's a new site so people are trying to figure out how it works right. but it was a little disconcerting that the first week the, almost the highest number of tags as as high as any other topic in the system was the system itself so i was a little disturbed that we've built a system for discussing the system you know <laughs> that'll well that'll wear off yeah that'll wear off that's my hope is that will wear off as i i actually need to codify a lot of stuff in the fact and the reason I haven't is honestly because we've been changing the rules about how stuff works like pretty rapidly as as you know people start doing things. But one of the core issues that does come up a lot, and, and Joel, I know you and I talked about this a lot when we were setting up, initially talking about even doing anything like this, uh, was this is not necessarily a place for programmers to just come discuss random topics. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be focused around questions. And when I say question, I mean a question that actually has some kind of objective answer. Yeah. Not, you know, what's your favorite, like, here's one I saw. What's your favorite RSS feed on Java? What's your favorite Java yeah. blog? I mean, this isn't really a question that can be objectively answered. I mean, it's an, it's an okay question, but it's technically not what we built the system to do. Well, you but know, um, that would work, that particular question would work well if everybody answered with one particular answer. And then they just voted, and then it becomes a vote on you know the favorite you know, Java RSS feeds. Some of them can work, but there's even more discussy type topics that yeah. are coming up. And I think the less focused the question is, the more you're going to have this intra-answer discussion mm-hmm. that I think people kind of get confused and understandably because if you're having all these, there should be only one conversation that matters. To me, it's kind of like this is where Stack Overflow is kind of like my blog. When I post a blog entry, you're going to discuss my blog entry, not because I'm the most important person in the world, but because that's the topic at hand. That's the thing we're discussing. That's why you came there, right, in the first place was, oh, here's a topic I'm kind of interested in, interesting enough to leave a comment. Now, even in a, it's true that even in a long, long focused blog, blog entry, you'll get people that are discussing amongst themselves. But if it becomes really dominant, then... You know, I think that's where the problem is, where you have a, a blog post topic or a question, if you will, that's just not focused enough for people to really directly address it. Well, um, you, mm-hmm. you you end up with a lot of cruft on your on your blog post then at the bottom, you know. So like it, it, like it's hard to keep people from discussing these things. I don't know if you're going to change the system so that it prevents people from it. Like it sounds like you're saying that the system isn't designed really for that type of thing. That's not what you made it for. But the people are going to discuss regardless. You know what I mean? They're going in there and they're doing it now, and there's no sort of outlet to keep that discussion somewhere else. So it's not cluttering up. Like if you're a new person, you just come, and you're like, "How does this work?" You know, you can read the fact, but even if you come in, you're just going to start talking about things. What I've seen, well, the, uh, well what I've what I've seen happen is somebody asks a question, and you need a little bit of clarification, and the obvious thing to do is put in the answer. You know, could you clarify it? Or sometimes you'll see somebody will provide half of an answer and somebody else will say, well, you know, that's not right because such and such. 
And um, it might be, I mean, one possibility might be to move that into the talk. Another possibility, you know, like have a separate talk page for every question where you can carry on any kind of discussion you want about the answering of the question. Or another thing is I think just over time people will develop standards where they just learn to edit things rather than to discuss or they realize that if they try to have a conversation that their but answer – you can't edit things. So that, that like that's that, like I asked a question I and I had like a couple different answers. Yeah, you have to get to a certain point. But like when the new people come that don't really understand how it works, it's even worse because they're the ones that are going to be talking because they can't go and edit something. So if there's a small critique or a small change that they want to make in the answer, they can't really do it for a while. Like I still can't do it. And I mean, I don't I I I haven't used it that much, but I don't know if um, yeah, how many? Uh, wh- wh- how do you, how many karmas do you need before you're allowed to edit stuff? Well, by stuff, really, you can edit your own stuff uh, immediately as soon as you sort of oh, okay. regi- associate an open ID with your account, so we can actually tell who you are. Because I was thinking, it it totally made sense to me when it said you need to earn a certain amount of karma to edit other people's posts or to change the tags on them. Um, but then it also occurred to me that there's going to be a lot of people that want to make like their first dipping of their toes in the pool, so to speak. Maybe just to make little syntax corrections or grammatical corrections or to slightly, you know, reorganize things. Like they may not have that much to contribute in terms of answers or questions, but they just see something spelled wrong or they know a slight improvement they can make to a particular question or they notice a tag that was wrong and therefore it's not coming up in the right place and they'll want to make those corrections. Like I know that, you know, for me probably I've made hundreds of corrections in Wikipedia where I'll just see a spelling mistake and I'll go correct it. And there's only one real article I've really contributed to. Right. Yeah, th- I think that's where, okay, so I think the issue we get into is we're sort of in a weird, somewhat unique place that we're, we're building what is essentially a hybrid of a, a discussion board type system, which is what it looks like at first glance, mm-hmm. uh, and a wiki type system where once you get to a certain level of reputation, once the system learns to trust you a little bit, you can edit literally anything. Um, you can't delete stuff. We do draw the line there because deleting is like making things disappear just disappearing things, which I think is a totally different concept. But revisions are always visible. So anytime something is edited, uh, we do have full revision support in now. We have, and uh, Jared checked in, a rollback support as well. Oh, so, if, so once if that's you there, you know, it doesn't hurt to let anybody edit anything. Yeah, I mean, we could reduce the bar. I'm a little worried, though, because it does require people who, somebody to be watching all the edits, right? And I think that's where I get a little nervous about that. Oh, that's true. Wikipedia has lots of people watching everything. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be quite as many people watching our stuff because the questions are so focused and so tiny. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think you'll have to invest. The current thresholds are you need 750 reputation to edit tags, to just re-tag things, Mm -hmm. and then 2,000 to edit anybody's anything oh jeez i'm never gonna do it i'm never gonna make it i'm at like 80 i'm like looking for ants for questions like an answer and i'm just like coming up blanks all the unanswered questions are really hard that's so that's a problem jeff because like michael would be able to or even me like i don't have that many points i think you might have done something magical on the back end to let me be able to edit things Right. A bunch well, of you're one of the upvoted you, your stuff. Yeah, and I and Michael, I could do the same thing for you because you're technically a founder. So yeah, but don't because then I won't be experiencing it like a right. new person would. So, but I mean, a lot of times I'll go into a question and I won't have anything to you know that I that I want answered myself. Like let's say that question where I was trying to find out the URL thingamajiggy, and uh, um, I, I you know you put an answer that was just here use this string, 
And I had to then go kind of research it because you had a backslash B at the beginning of there, and I didn't know what backslash B did in a, in a regex. So I went and looked up what backslash B did, and I was thinking, you know, I could go and edit this now and say the backslash B is, is a word boundary. It does such and such. And then that would make that little, that little answer just that much better. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a contribution I could make really early on in my Stack Overflow career. So, so I don't know. I have a suspicion that I, I, I kind of suspect that maybe we want to err in favor of more editing so that the, the it's, it's really a question of like how to make old questions get better and better and better and always be up to date. And part of making them better might even be taking, uh, um, you know, three or four answers and combining them into one meta answer that, uh, you know, really kind of covers all the topics very elegantly. Mm-hmm. And I want to sort of see more of that than just like people adding on their own tags saying, you know, at Michael, you got that wrong. It's uh, actually 27, not 36. Right. But there's not right now. There's no way to do that because yeah. you can't those people can't. Like I have, I asked a question about the best way to loop over a record set in C sharp. It was just like a generic question that I thought mm-hmm. somebody could put. And somebody posted a good answer and then somebody posted another good answer, which is different. And then somebody posted an answer using link. And I was like, okay, these are all good. And all three should be part of the answer, but I can't go in and edit it. And I, I mean, I, I, I guess it's not like I'm not going to be able to do that for a long time because I'm only at 82. And that, I mean, that particular question, like how to iterate over a record set in C sharp is, first of all, I mean, it's excellently phrased. Like you can just say, how do you iterate over a record set in C sharp? And secondly, you know, th- this, the Stack Overflow, it, in three weeks, that is going to be the canonical site on the internet for learning how to iterate over a record set in C sharp. It just will. It'll come out, you know, we'll have the page rank, everybody will point to it. It's going to be the canonical answer. And the more... It is like the Wikipedia page on how to iterate over a record set in C sharp. So, like the better that article gets, and the the uh, the, the better the results get. Uh, you know, the better the edit, the more really the more people contribute to just like editing and tweaking and like slightly formatting it a little bit better and so forth. Uh, the um, that's what I really want to happen. I want that to be like a live encyclopedia entry in the Wikipedia sense. Well, Jeff, how did right. actually how did you come up with the the limits because I know they changed. I remember I like at one point I could actually downvote things and then all of a sudden I couldn't because that threshold got set higher or something like that. So I know you changed that a little bit. How did you come up with those levels and tweak them? Like what what's driving that? Right. So what we're doing is we're I'm letting people in. It started at 100 people per day. I'm up to was up to 200. Now I'm kind of tentatively going to 300 people per day. Now that we're kind of getting the system working the way we want. And a lot of those initial tunings were done based on watching people's behavior and watching the interactions they had with each other. And, I mean, there were definitely some ruffled feathers around things being marked down, marked negative, things being flagged as offensive that shouldn't have been. Um, also around editing. Once people got to the editing threshold, there was definitely some uh, youthful experimentation, I guess you would say, around <laughs> editing other people's posts and... Uh, I, I had to deal with some direct emails and some people that were pretty unhappy with the way things were going. Uh, so I, I think we're just watching the system and we're just seeing how people are using it. And there are a number of people at the edit threshold, although I doubled it to 2,000. It started at 1,000, which I realized after the fact was just like way, way too low. Um, 
I've increased that to, to 2,000. But Michael, I want to get back to one of your original questions, which was, okay, say you don't understand how any of this stuff works and you just want the answer, which is going to be honestly 95% more, probably 99% of our audience. Mm-hmm. So you would type something into Google, right? You would end up on this page you created, which I'm actually looking at. How do I connect to a database and loop over a record set? You're going to see two things. You're going to see the question, and then directly under it, you're going to see the accepted answer because the, those two things always sort of dock to each other, right? Okay. Uh, now, if nobody has accepted, like you owned that question, so you went, you went back and said, oh, this is the best answer that I think is the best answer. Well, say the community disagrees with you. They say, well, that's a dumb answer. They would downvote your answer. Would, it wouldn't affect uh, the docking, but the answer directly under it would be the answer the community thought was best. Now, if you're the type of person that does a drive-by question, like you ask the question and you never close the loop and say, okay, this was the best answer that I found. Because mm-hmm. there's uh, a bunch then, of, there's a, that happens, a, it's happening kind of frequently too. That, sure. That type of thing. No, I, I would expect that so to be So what you're saying is the community answer then is the one that appears at the top. It's all based on sort ordering at that yeah. point. So so voting. And, and the reason we have a limit around voting is uh, we found that Downvotes were very unpopular. People did not like having their stuff downvoted just on principle. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like, if I see negative on my thing, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a bummer, but, you know, it's, it's, it's minor. Uh, but people really objected to it. So we, we made the karma cost for that. Um, we did something interesting that where it's negative. So if I, if I downvote this question that I'm looking at, if I click down right here, your reputation will go down two points, uh, but my reputation will go down one point. That was cool. So, so there's a cost to me <laughs> to downvote you, and that helped tremendously. Uh, and we also have visibility. Like if I click on your username, I can see that you've given 43 upvotes and eight downvotes. So you can see if it's the type of person that's like a lot of downvotes kind of person, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then maybe that's just how they are. I also noticed it, w- it was really kind of touching. Some people like only give upvotes. They will not downvote anybody. Like it's just all upvotes. They they've never given a downvote. Like they'll give hundreds. Of, well, not hundreds, but at least a hundred upvotes and. I think there's going to be a badge around that, actually, at some point. Uh, <laughs> nice. Actually, yeah, if you can be nice enough to give 200 upvotes without any downvotes, then you but can probably get a But being nice is not necessarily being honest. I mean, there may be somebody who literally provides a wrong or misleading answer to a question who gives you the answer that is subject to SQL injection attacks, you know, and then you really do want people to downvote. I, I do think downvotes are necessary. There was the argument that you should take them out. I think the way to do it is the way we're doing, where the upvote counts way more. So, mm-hmm. Michael, if I click up right now on your post, you get plus 10, right? Mm-hmm. Now, compare that to the minus 2 I could give you. So it's worth five times as much, plus it costs me a little. And we think that's the right social formula because sorting down to zero is good, but I think you should be able to sort a little bit below zero to indicate that the community kind of is dissatisfied with your answer. It's not that they hate you personally, and this is where it gets <laughs> because... People really do take it personally. Like, I've gotten emails from people that are like, you know, I'm missing a badge, and I'm, uh, you know, you need to look into this. And they've already started to really, the the reputation and badge system is really working, like, to, oh. to a scary Well, degree. especially this, <laughs> since you've actually tied, I mean, initially, I don't, I don't know if you, this was the initial goal, but you've tied the reputation and the badge system all together so that there's actually things you can't do, you know. So, like, getting a badge is... It's it's different than raising your reputation, but a lot of times they're intertwined, and so there's stuff that you actually can't do on the site until you do that. So it encourages people to go that direction. Right. Well, I think the end state of the system is that we don't run it; the community runs it because we don't scale. Like I'm, I can't sit here and 
see. I, I, there's no way I can't even read every post that's on the system. It's not even. It's ridiculously impossible for me. Even if Jared, you know, and, and the other two guys that are doing this with me, that's all we did all day long. We still couldn't do it. So as the system learns to trust you, you can do things in the system that you would consider very moderator-like, uh, very much like Wikipedia. Um, but we do have thresholds around that. Like we talked about, the it takes 15 reputation to even upvote because we don't want people creating like shell accounts and just upvoting their own stuff, like puppet mm-hmm. accounts. <laughs> so you have to actually get some reputation. And the only way you earn reputation, I want to be very clear on this point, the only way you ever get reputation is from other people voting your stuff up. Um, there's one minor exception to that, which is if you accept an answer, like Michael, when you accepted the answer to your question, you actually mm-hmm. got plus two rep. It's a very minor rep boost. That's probably why you have 82 rep, actually. Well, I just went up have... since we were talking, since we were recording this. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm 107 now. So, hey Jeff, I have wow. an idea for a badge. Wow, impressive. Yeah, what's your idea? Um, uh, you sh- uh, founding founding members that you give to all the beta testers. Basically, oh yeah, yeah, no, they're gonna get that. Certain date. Yeah, we're gonna get that. There was some resistance on the comments, but I think I'm gonna overrule the people because the people participating in the beta are really, I mean, beta testing is not that fun in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So I think they're giving me some of their time, and I, I think they deserve a little something for that. It's also recognition so, that they were here at the beginning, and it motivates people to get in and get their account set up by whenever the beta test ends. Uh, right. Uh, you know, so because otherwise they're never ever gonna have an opportunity to earn that badge again. Right. Yeah, and, and it's interesting having a community of programmers test your site. But let me tell you, they really test the crap out of things. Like I've seen <laughs> the weirdest things happen that I, I'm just sure on a typical user side I wouldn't have gotten to like a year or maybe even never. Um, so it can be kind of fun. This is so Jeff. Is this the is this the most heavily used site that you've ever worked on? Oh, probably. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, just yeah, I would say probably without a doubt. And it's it still in beta. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it must yeah, have. We have a very constrained audience already. How many? Yeah. Um, how many people have you approved for the beta? I think right at three thousand now, but that doesn't mean they've all joined. Uh, the interesting thing about the badge system, and I think Michael brought this up, you can sort of see, you know, this is the MySpace game. We have a hundred million users, right? Yeah. Do you really have a hundred million active <laughs> users? Right. I don't think so. Well, if you go to the badge page, yeah, you can yeah, that's see. Looking. How many people have done certain things? That is actual activity. That is measurable activity in the system, right? Is this right? Two hundred thousand. That means a thousand and nine people have answered a question with at least one upvote. That's right. That's a yes, absolutely. So, so that's the, the badges, problem. in addition to being fun, actually tell you stuff about the system and also the user, right? Like how well do they know the system? If they have ten bronze badges, then they know it pretty well. So all this stuff is there for a reason. None of this stuff is there because I thought it would be like fun to have a game. Uh, the end state of this is producing useful information that goes out into the world. What's and the I've colored, only put in things. What's sorry? What's a colored dot next to the badge? It's like a right before the badge. Uh, color. So we have. Oh, it's the the Olympics theme that we have. It's very convenient. It's a gold, silver, and bronze. Which is bronze and which is gold? <laughs> The yellowish ones. I mean, I can adjust the colors if you're really, if that's a serious question. I, yeah, add I actually don't know. Legends. Go ahead. Yeah, yellow is gold. Yes. Okay. I, I can't make the colors metallic on your monitor. I'm sorry. I can't. We don't have that technology yet. I'll find. But it. I should add doesn't, a legend. Doesn't Java made. do that? I thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, SQL Server. You need SQL Server. Oh right. Yeah, SQL Server is so, amazing. 
let me talk about um, real. I know we've monopolized a lot of time, but it's exciting because this is honestly everybody listening. This is really the first time I've talked to you all about the actual live site. It's actually let me just let me just conclude my my, my initial feedback. Oh, we're still doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got well. Um, I got two more things. Uh, okay, go ahead. The feedback, but but they're kind of small. Um, one is to me like ex- the only thing that we really need here. Uh, you probably know. You're probably a lot more involved. But the only thing I really, I really wish we had is RSS. We have it. Oh, we do? <gasps> yes, the bottom of the page. Oh. Can I subscribe to a tag? Yes, you can. Okay, done. Never mind, we don't need that. Right. Um, you, can, you can also do tag combinations, which is not very discoverable. I need to work on that. But it's space delimited at the moment because we allow plus in C++, which I'm kind of regretting now. <laughs> <laughs> Because the, the standard convention is you sort of use plus. That's sort of the typical tag combination in the Web 2.0 world. But we use space for that reason. Wait, so how do I do this? T- tell me how to subscribe to two tags. Well, go to a tag. So Sorry. go to the tag browser. Type in whatever tag, tag. you're looking at or just click yeah. on it. Yeah. And then scroll down to the very bottom of the page. And you should see a little RSS icon. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's also in the auto-discovery. There's a link in the header. So you oh. can just point your software at the page. So you were saying um, space. So I can just change this URL to be feed slash tag slash like Ruby, Ruby plus Python, for example? Yes. Oh, not. Oh, but you said it was not plus. It's space. It's space. It's space. Yeah, because we but allow it's space. Plus. Wait, 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 sir. Yes. Space is plus in URLs, isn't it? Uh, it can be. It you can, can also be. use percent 20. Yeah. Uh, well, I tried that, but it's not getting or. It's doing and. All right. We'll, we'll we'll debug that later. Oh, it's doing and. It's definitely doing and. Did you want or? Uh, so I type slash tag slash, and then what do I do? Uh, I the, the one I always use as example is HTML space CSS. So there's a space in the. No, I'm not getting any questions that are tagged. That I put a space in the URL. Oh, it's oh, sorry. It's questions tagged. I have syntax wrong. Questions. Dash slash tagged, sorry. Slash HTML space CSS. Yeah, that works. Huh? That was something Jared insisted on. He he believed that I'm it should be questions tagged. Okay, if pretend like I'm. That, I blame Jared. Pretend I'm retarded. <laughs> okay. I can figure out how to subscribe to like like Windows, because there's a tag feed for that. Right. Oh, I, so, I see question slash tag slash. Okay, so I say Windows, and then I put a space right there in the address bar, and I say like C sharp, for example. Yeah. Well, C sharp, you have to put the you have to escape the pound, so it'd be okay. I think it's percent twenty three. It's easier if you use my preferred example of HTML and CSS. Plus, it makes sense. CSS. And then you can extend it to work with whatever keywords you want later. Mm, this is really doing and. It's not doing or. Yeah, it's doing and. It's doing all things that are HTML and CSS. Yes. But I want or. Okay. Well, that's something we should put that on the feature request list. I mean, okay. we, can, we can do it. It's not that important. I was just thinking I may want to subscribe to an RSS feed that gets the seven things that I'm interested in. Right. No, okay. that's, that's fair. That's really small because other than that, I really think that it's like ready to go live other than just scaling issues. Well, we're not going to – yeah, we're going to go to the end of the month for sure because there's still some things I want to implement and some other testing I want to do. Mm-hmm. So g- continue with your feedback list. Well, you no, nothing. I just want to say, you know what? Um, I, I, like this morning, I just it suddenly occurred to me that this is going to be huge. <laughs> I mean, you've actually like now built this thing that most programmers are going to know about. 
in the same way that most programmers know about, I don't know, Flash. Flash. Yeah. It's, this is going to be, I, I think this is going to be bigger than um, the competition who will go unnamed. Uh, I think it's going to be like Wikipedia big for programmers in the world of programmers. It's just going to be like a standard part of everybody's tool set. Wow. Really? Wow, that's a little scary, actually. I know. Because it's just like, look how fast it lit up. The, the whole thing, it like lit up like a Christmas tree in right. you know, a millionth of a second with like nobody. And you've got, um, you said you had 3,000 people or something queued up for the beta test just based on, you know, that stupid little podcast here that six people listen to. Right. Uh, and obviously there are people clamoring to get in and it's not even coming up in Google search results yet, right? Because it's all cloaked from Google, so to speak, because it's private still. Right. So as soon as Google right. starts finding these things, oh my God, it's going to be huge. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, and, and I hope huge in the sense that it actually works. And, and I agree with you from what I've seen. I've been very pleased because I feel like it is working uh, with some minor caveats around some of the behavior I did not anticipate, which I kind of, I knew that was going to inevitably happen. People are very unpredictable, but um, it is producing pretty good information and people mm-hmm. enjoy the system and the work they're putting into it is resulting in, I think, useful stuff that other people will find. Mm-hmm. And that's really the root of all my blogging as well. Is I just want to leave this trail of breadcrumbs of helpful information, right? And yeah. relevant information that other people can benefit from. So yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, I love working. It's very addictive. Like my blog has really suffered because, one, because <laughs> there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. And two, because it's really addictive. Like I love working on it because you get this feedback loop of people ask for features and they're programmers just like you, right? So mm. they're happy when you're working on it. I'm happy working for them because they're filling it with all this great information. It's this really nice loop. I, re- I really enjoy it. And I think Jeff and Jared have done a tremendous job, first of all, but particularly based on the fact that I don't really pay them <laughs> in any real sense of the word. But they've done a tremendous job. Um, and also the community. I mean, we got to say that you know having the audiences that we have and mm-hmm. a very high-quality audiences, um, we're able to seed it with this great information. Mm-hmm. So it's also a testament, I think, to the, the power of the audience. Is there um, uh, is there something on okay so it, which is of the various tabs on the homepage we've got newest votes popular unanswered and recent yes this is a little confusing what's the difference between newest and recent newest is uh, by the actual time the question was asked recent is based on any activity in that question oh got it. So it might be recently edited. That's right. Uh, okay, got it. And um, oh, I see. And which one is there? One of them that acts like uh, like Reddit, where the really highly voted things like stay in the t- on the top longer. Uh, th- right now, that's just the homepage under popular, and it's not really working the way it's supposed to. Right now, it's all time popular, and it's based oh. on. There's no real algorithm there. There should be a more sophisticated algorithm that determines that. Right now, it's just simply sorting by number of views. Oh, that's weird, because that's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, exactly. No, it needs to be a more sophisticated algorithm there. And it needs to also be like top last 24 hours, top last 48 hours, top you, you, know, you can time. do. I mean, if you do it, the Reddit algorithm is, is like five lines of code, and it's been figured out, and I can, I can just get Steve to disgorge it under pain of death if, if, if you can't figure it out. But, you know, it's a fairly simple thing where, you know, there's a very simple function of uh, age and votes. Right. It gives you um, 
Uh, it's, it's actually based on a, like a physical formula, which is kind of weird. It's based on gravity. Um, but well, we have a couple more variables. We have number of answers. We have number of views, um, date, number of votes. I, I think we can have actually have a more sophisticated algorithm there. But the but one, the I mean, the one in Reddit works really well. It gets, it gets. What happens is that things that are super popular sort of zoom up and stay for a while. Things which are less popular don't quite make it as high. Right. But on, on the, that said, maybe it's not like Reddit. I mean, maybe the goal isn't to see the thing that everybody else is seeing. Maybe the goal is to see the thing that most desperately needs an answer. Or right. I don't know. Right. So, so let me briefly talk about a couple key features that I think we need that people were kind of clamoring for. And I think, Michael, some of the things you were bringing up, I, I think, will be addressed by what I cover. Excellent. Um, so right off the top of my head, people want uh, to be able to bar certain tags from appearing. For example, a lot of people were really annoyed by all the meta discussion around Stack Overflow, and I, I can't really blame them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they want to essentially blacklist that tag and say, you know what, for my page, don't show that tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's sort of in the works, and also along the same lines, like these are my favorite tags. Like these are the tags I really want to know. Anytime something happens, like consider the home page right mm-hmm. now. Uh, there's a like there's a Ruby question. I don't really know anything about Ruby. I, m- I might get a kick out of just reading through it, but I can't really answer it, can I? Right. Uh, so this is really about filtering essentially the home page and maybe your user page. So that's prob that's in the works probably. I think a lot of people will want to just go and choose the the ten or twenty tags that that are technologies that they work on. Right. And we'd also talked about having this sort of be self-learning, where if you look at your, your profile, like, for example, my profile, if I look at the number of tags, I have 48 Stack Overflow tags. Oh, so you might which see means, those sooner. Which means, yeah, I've been replying to a lot of Stack Overflow threads, so I might want to see those. I have C Sharp, then Regex, which is actually pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so if you took the top three tags, uh, and hacking, which is great, because I'm totally a hack, so the top four tags uh, would be perfect. I could just, the system could just filter for me on that. The other thing that's come up is, because again, we're sitting in the middle of a confluence of sort of like wiki type no ownership mm-hmm. and uh, a discussion forum where there's clearly ownership. And not only that, but you're getting reputation. If you're getting reputation from something, clearly you own it. Yeah. These systems don't really match. There's a, there's <laughs> a weird right. thing, which is you feel like, you know, if I want to go edit somebody's question, I don't want to, Take away from their, uh, you know, ownership from their moral, you know, moral rights. It's called in copyright law. Basically, they wrote it. They 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 should get some credit for that, if nothing else. That's right. That's right. So, but I still want to enhance what they wrote. Yes. So I've done. I've I've thought a lot about this. There's been a lot of meta discussion on Stack Overflow on this topic, and I think people were concerned for good reason. One is. They don't want people to edit their stuff. Certain people just may not buy into the whole concept of, of the Wikipedia-style editing anyway. Uh, but I want to make it very clear when they come to the site that that's kind of the goal here. So if you totally are against that, you're like, okay, this is my content and nobody will ever touch it, this probably is not the site for you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that said, I do understand that, say, Joel, you, you enter a post. I mm-hmm. go in and edit a significant percentage of it. And you have to sort of do the math to figure out like how much of it actually changed, which we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Michael, you go in and then change that even further. Does it really still belong to Joel at that point? So we're going to have a threshold, which is basically number of people and size of edits, that will push a post in what do we call community mode. Mm-hmm. In community mode, you can still vote on it, but nobody gets reputation from it. And there's no signature block on it. There's just a revision history. Like it'll show the last editor. 
Um, so but that takes like, away the concern, energy. I think. And there's two ways you can go. Two ways this can happen. One automatically, because I don't want to. It's got to happen automatically for the system to be sustaining. So once you reach the threshold, you're in this community mode. Um, although you can, if as Joel as the owner of the post, you want to reassert ownership, you could. That's possible as well. Uh, the other thing you can do is Joel when you ask a question. You could opt out. You could say, you know what? I don't even want to own this post. This is not going to be a Joel post. This is going to be anybody can do whatever they want with this post. I'm mm-hmm. going to opt out of uh, of ownership at that point. Um, so it's the kind of thing where you can either opt in initially. Mm-hmm. It happens automatically. Um, and then you can also revert it. Like if you if somebody, say, griefs you and kicks your stuff into community mode by c- continually editing it like a pack of roving dogs or something. <laughs> Uh, you could actually opt back in and, and revert ownership of your stuff if you want. Maybe maybe under those circumstances, you don't require as much um, uh, reputation, you know, to, reputation edit. to edit. Yeah. Yes, and that also solves that problem that you guys were talking about. And I, and I do agree with that. There's a little bit of a, a disconnect between these two models. But I think that's what makes our system really interesting is that we're trying to sit in the middle there and do something, I think, relatively unique that, that hasn't been tried in quite this way before. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a little comfortable pushing the boundaries a little bit. Although I do want to disclose so people know when they come to the site, they're not like, oh my god, you nobody told me that people could edit my stuff. I don't want people to have that reaction. Hey, um, I just thought of something. Um, yeah. You were talking about, like, I can't keep the fact up to date. Why don't right. you, you got the FAQ link at the bottom. That just needs to go to um, uh, slash question slash tag slash stack overflow in popularity right. mode. Done. Right. I have thought about that. There's 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 a one or two other things I need to implement before I can do that though. But yeah, no, that that has definitely come up. No, I just changed the, the URL. The site, even the user voice system that we use, you know, mm-hmm. you could almost use Stack Overflow. The, the system itself could be used to track its own bugs almost, right? You could vote on them. <laughs> there's a history. Mm-hmm. You can put tags on them. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. You can almost use it as a meta system to describe itself. So I do agree with that. That eventually we will get there. Um, and then the third thing before we get too sidetracked. Um, so the issue of discussion within the answers, mm-hmm. I agree it does come up, uh, but I don't want to create like a full-blown message board. I want people to be have a focus on answering the freaking question, right? Like I don't want – there's going to be some discussion, but I don't want to encourage it. I don't want to have all these things in place where people can have these long, drawn-out discussions and go back and forth uh, in the answers. But at the same time, it would be nice to add annotations to somebody's answer, right? So what mm-hmm. we're thinking is we're going to add another table, and it's going to almost be like Twitter, where we're going to say, look, you can't write a whole long diatribe here. All you can do is add like 200 characters that say, this is wrong because you forgot uh, in your regex you know, that this character does this, right? So you can add an annotation that's attached to the answer, because that's a sort of little meta discussion. Well, wait, wait, wait. But shouldn't that be like just an, just, just go edit it? I don't know. I mean, you the Wikipedia way would be like, this is wrong. I'm just going to edit it. I thought about doing that too. I thought about having a mode where you could say add comment, even if you have like a low rep, like say 50. Yeah. It wouldn't take much rep to do this. And all it would do is add to the bottom. What you're saying is, I ha- is that if I have a low reputation, I add it to the bottom and then somebody else has to come along and decide whether or not to accept my comment and incorporate it and edit it into the original answer or uh, just to like delete it and hide it or just to ignore it. Why, why not skip all that work and just go straight to the immediate phase of if they think it's wrong, go in there and edit it. And then worst comes to worst, they get into a Wikipedia-style edit war. But honestly, that's worked well for Wikipedia. 
It, it has, but again, I think it, the thing you have to realize is we're not quite the same thing as Wikipedia. One, we don't really have the broad. Our our questions are s- s- narrow, even by Wikipedia standards, where there's like a Wikipedia <laughs> entry for every comic book character ever. We're even more narrow than that. Do right? they have little dot? I'm sure. Oh, I guarantee. Which uh, comics? I, I guarantee it's out there. So there's not as many eyes on on the stuff. So we, it needs to be a little bit more self healing than Wikipedia is, I think. Uh, but I have definitely thought about what you're proposing, which is having a, a low a low rep edit mode, which mm-hmm. only lets you add like 100 characters to the bottom as an edit, right? So the system is there's no new code required for that solution, right? It's just I go in and I grab the current revision, add some stuff to the bottom of it, and then publish it as the current revision with that guy's signature on it. Mm-hmm. I've thought about that, and we we might end up doing that. I'm not sure, but the goal is is pretty much to reduce. I don't want to have too much discussion in the comments, in the answers, rather. Um, but I do also, at the same time, acknowledge that people really have a desire to mark up, without full-blown editing, a desire to slightly mark up some of the answers that they're seeing. Yeah, you know, here's another possibility is um, to give people two options, add, a, add an answer or comment on this. And if they add an answer... It shows That's up like it does now. If they say comment on this, it shows up at the bottom and can't be voted on. So, right. And it just stays in chronological order. And then they can have their conversation at the bottom below That's all right. the answers. Where well, it stays it, the conversation would occur under the, the answer that they're discussing. Uh, oh, you mean it would be per answer? Per answer. Yeah, it would, it would be per answer for sure. But, but exactly like you said, they would get no rep from this. So. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of incentive to do it, except just, you know, you want to comment on somebody's answer for some reason. I'm sure. You know, I'm sure we're going to get great answers from the community about how to do this. And actually, that might be a good opportunity to uh, invite people to, uh, if they have a suggestion uh, or some logical reason they want to disagree with us, this might be a good opportunity to say, record it as an MP3 or Ogvorbis file and email it to podcast at stackoverflow.com. Right. Well, I feel like we've done – I know, Joel, you had said before you left on your trip, you had said you had some reservations about discussing a site that most people can't see. Ah, but they can in two weeks, right? Yes. In fact, they can even um, – okay, so what's the way that you get on the uh, the beta list is you go to www.stackoverflow.com, right? And then well, you click on uh, – no, where, how do you sign up for the beta? Uh, it, it's it's a, only a blog entry at the moment. I don't have like a formal sign-up link. Uh, but it's the August 1st blog post has the direct link to sign up. Okay, so that's under blog.stackoverflow.com? Yes. I don't I remember know. the title of it, You're but it's the August have link. Private beta. Okay, here we are. Wait. Where does it say how you sign up? It's sort of in the near the bottom. It's not super obvious. Direct email. They're just emailing no, no. you. No, no, no. There's a there's a sign up link. You're gonna make me actually go to the post. I'm confused. Oh, I'm click here to sign up for the beta. Okay, I see. Oh, it's just got all kinds of letters. Spreadsheets.google.com. Okay, it's a big mess. So what you want to do is go to blog.stackoverflow.com for our listeners who want to sign up, and look for the thing that says "bad news, good news," and it's got yes, like that's little the one. toilet paper mascot there, and then. <laughs> uh, and then in that post, there is a uh, magical link that you can use to sign up for the beta. And uh, all our listeners should do that and get signed up with a real account and stuff like that because that's the only way 
even if you don't plan to use it, it's the only way you're ever going to get that, that, that beta tester badge, which uh, will never again be available. That's um, right. And uh, so hopefully that will cause a flood of people to show up. Uh, what else did I want to say? So, so you thought that the beta was pretty much just the end of this month. So that's like, what, nine more days? Really? Uh, yeah, no. well, it's a little more than that. It's a long month. It's like 31 days. So, Okay, cool. Because the, really the next, I mean, there's, there's sort of several phases to this, this whole building of Stack Overflow. And the first phase was, you know, building the first minimal version that people could see. Uh, the second phase was sort of the controlled beta to try to get it good enough to release on the world. And then the third phase, which, which we're about to go into, is just try to, you know, build the audience as fast as possible to as many people as possible. Yes, that's right. Now, I, I know you talked about um, taking some listener calls, but did we want to – I feel bad we've had, we've had Michael on the call, and we haven't given him a chance to tell his story, have we? What story? <laughs> <laughs> the early, the early yeah. Fog Creek story. Uh-huh. Do we have time for that? Yeah. How, how much longer is this? Well, we've um, got at least 10 minutes. So, so maybe how did you – how do you know Joel? How did you meet Joel? That's okay, so I was working at Juno – as an intern, um, it, actually, D. Shaw's hedge fund in New York decided to start this company, uh, Juno, and it was like a free email provider back in the day when everyone had to dial up to the internet, and you run their application, and it would dial up and check your email and show you ads at the same time. And I was their first intern, and right about the time that I was interning, Joel started working there full time. And so I worked there for the summer, came back full-time, and he and I worked on the same team, on the client team, working on that code. So that's how we met. Very cool. And then, so who's did Joel sort of suck you into his vortex of this, this fog yeah, creek? Well, he, I, you know, like, it, it was, this is like eight years ago. Um, I, I don't think we were, I think he was kind of unhappy at, at Juno, and he left before I did. And I mean, a couple of people had been leaving. Um, this is sort of the market tank. Like we were, we, we were, we were the first broke. One of the first broken IPOs. It you know when they come out uh, lower than the the day that they go IPO, the stock closes lower than the opening price. They call it a broken <laughs> the IPO. Backwards, the backwards yeah. IPO. So we were you know we were all sitting around like counting our chickens our golden chickens before they had hatched them. And I think after that happened in the market tanked and everyone, some of our friends started leaving and I don't think Joel was very happy there. And this was my first job, so I had nothing to compare it to, but um, he, he left and was just sort of, I guess you were freelancing, right? Were you working for Google and other companies writing code? Um, I was doing something. (laughs) <laughs> but mostly I was on vacation I think. I had this I had the, your first post is like let's let's take a sabbatical I yeah, recall. That's that was then and I was taking a sabbatical although uh, I I think I had at least two consulting gigs which pretty much get me half busy and then I was writing kind of the first version of Joel on software. Uh you know like a lot of those early articles were written then when I was just sitting at the beach. Right. I did a consulting gig for Google for about four weeks that was the most money that anybody has ever made for four weeks of work in the history of the universe, probably, nice. um, because it was paid in stock. Oh, wow. Nice. So, Joel, what, what drew you to Michael? What, when you started a company, why did you say Michael is the man? That um, was- I, I couldn't get anybody else to go along with it. <laughs> 
you picked the uh, vulnerable intern, didn't you? you <laughs> I think so. Uh, <laughs> he just didn't know any better. He, you, you had a car. He was impressed that you had a car. I didn't know any people. <laughs> I think we were just we were just we were friends first. We were hanging out a bunch. To, I, I, I mean that when we started the company, I actually I, I had this grandiose idea that I was going to start a different company before we started Fog Creek. Um, it's kind of oh yeah, dosi do. Yeah, I had this idea that you could um, it was you would send in your old CDs to to us, and then you would say you would say like which CDs you had and which CDs you wanted, and then we would find links between people, and we would just send you an email and say, oh, okay, you send your this CD to that person, and then they'll send a CD to another person and eventually you'll get a, the CD you want back. Um, there's actually a site that does that now, um, but it was uh, kind of a ridiculous idea at the time. And um, cool. It was kind of cool. cool, but it just it, at that particular time, it was it was a little late to the party. I think um, if I had that same idea like two years before that, you know, could have, but... Um, right. So we... We were, I guess, we were just hanging out, and and he he was, he thought that we should just instead of doing consulting on our own, we should team up together, and uh, so we did. Right. And how about those early days? How long was it just you two? Uh, not so long, actually. I think we started. We, we were boy, were we stupid, um, because <laughs> I definitely remember saying, "Let's hire four four more people right away." <laughs> Wow, really? <laughs> so we just started calling people up and interviewing and putting up, uh, yeah, that's how stupid we were, <laughs> like without knowing where the money would come from. Now, we did where have this. I, where can we find the bones of the, these people you hired? Uh, well, no, now? Uh, two of them are now working for us full time. Uh, one of them uh, is not, um, but uh, uh, they, they, we, we did have to lay them all off. Let's see, we hired three people, really. Two and a half, because Jillian was sort of like a consultant. So um, uh, we, we hired these people because we were doing consulting in the early days. We weren't developing software. And in fact, our business model, um, and I think I've talked about this somewhere, but our business model was to copy exactly what Phil Greenspun was doing with Ars Digita, uh, and because that was clearly working. And we were going to have two changes, one big change and one small change. And the small change was that uh, he was just allergic to Microsoft. Uh, in a way that was beyond just like rational aversion to Microsoft tools and deep in the, you know, deep in just, you know, visceral hatred. And we sort of thought that if we did the same thing, but not without any particular hatred of Windows, we could do, for example, desktop applications um, that might be uh, pretty cool. And uh, so that was the small change from the Ars Digital business plan. The other thing is that the Ars Digital business plan said that they were going to build the software and they were going to open source it. And that was... Uh, what was it called? The Ars Digital Community System, ACS. And uh, our idea was to do the same thing and not open source it, to license it, to actually uh, make a profit uh, by doing that. And so we sort of thought that they would permanently be a consulting business. Ars Digital would always be a consulting business. They could only make money to the extent that they had warm bodies that they could rent out to other companies. And we would um, also have this software licensing revenue which you can just make copies of and then sell to more people without doing additional work. So it was sort of a tweak on their business model. But it really was inspired. I think the business was really inspired, and this is kind of how I talked Michael into it, at the time by 
um, mostly people like Phil Greenspun just kind of documenting on the web everything they were doing. And you could see what they were doing and why it was working. And for a moment, we actually believed that if we did the same thing, it would have the same results. And right. so we took that leap. Cool. And then the market collapsed. Uh, Ars Digita closed. Um, <laughs> fired uh, everyone. They fired it over. We had to fire all the consultants because, uh, or the people that we had hired who were primarily doing consulting work because uh, we just had no money. Um, but we did have fog bugs, and we started selling that. And that provided enough money for us to kind of survive for a few years while we built it up into a real business. Right. Now you're like a mega corp. You're like the Walmart bug tracking. (laughs) Exactly. It still doesn't even feel like we're running a real company. We're more like the Halliburton of bug tracking. I see. Uh, Hey, yesterday, um, you know, we take a picture once a year of all the people and put it up on our website. And yesterday I updated it. And it's uh, if you go to fogcreek.com and click on about the company, scroll down, you see a picture of most of the company. And it's just getting huge. <laughs> I mean, like, wow. there's like, look at all them people. Right. One, two, three, four. Like, we have more redheads at Fog Creek than we used to have. Oh, before. nice. Wow. That's a bunch of, that is a bunch of people. Yeah. That's what I find to be really, really weird. I always remember, for some reason, these weird things stick in my brain. And uh, in the old days, I used to read uh, Dave Weiner a lot, who wrote Scripting News. And once he had a post Really, really early on, he said, "Where are all the forty-person software companies?" And um, and I guess his point was that for the longest time there were dozens of forty-person software companies. Like WordPerfect was forty people, and Lotus was forty people, and uh, um, suddenly the world became Microsoft and Oracle, and there were like the thirty-thousand-person software companies, and then there were a couple of half a person trying to struggle to do it in their spare time. But he wasn't noticing any of the 40-person software companies. And over the years, I've discovered quite a lot of 40-person software companies. This is a huge number of them. They're all a little bit below the radar, and you don't hear about them. The business press doesn't write about them because they're not public companies, and so they have no interest in covering things whose stock you can't buy. Uh, but there are really like an outlandish number of uh, software companies around our size. Jill, I'm reading here. Did you realize that you are a globally recognized expert on the software development process? Did you know that? <laughs> I think the technical term is rock star. Yes. Yes. Jill Spol- you should just write, Jill Spolsky is totally awesome, period. But that's it. That's, I mean, he says that every morning. He comes in the office and says, <laughs> I am awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disconnect you guys from this call. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's cool. I really no. Oh, I really sorry, admire. we're having technical problems here getting Jeff's. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I really admire what you guys have done. In my previous job was a small software company. I think had a lot of the same vibe, where the you know they just love software engineering, right? It was all about the process of creating great software and hiring really smart people to do it, and you know not becoming megacorp where you lose all your directions. So you know, I think you've achieved the terminus of of what I view as a very logical evolution for extremely talented developers is to build something that, you know furthers the craft in some way, in some meaningful way. So, no, I, I really do admire that. I think that's great. So, cool. I, I, I'm always happy to talk about Bug Creek. Well, and I, I actually, think Stack Overflow will do the same thing, honestly. Yeah, I, think. I was just going to say, I think yeah. we admire what you're building here. It's a really great system, so I'm really excited about it. Yeah, now I'm scared. You guys are making me think that we're going to have all these scaling problems, so now I'm kind of... Really I actually do think Google... Actually, I just had a... <laughs> I was posting something, and some ASP.NET error came up of lock contention on some row yes, somewhere. Yes, deadlocks. We have a deadlock issue. Yeah. Which we'll talk about after. Hey, well, we can talk come, about it on the call, but it's going to go really long if we do that. How come uh, the badges but, aren't... Oh, go, go ahead. 
Well, be- before we end, because it's getting close to the hour mark, uh, I did want to mention, Joel, I met uh, Merlin Mann at uh, oh. the START conference, which was, I think, a week and a half ago. Start. And I made a point of Money. meeting him because yeah. I wanted to tell him that first I'm a, I'm a fan. I think he does a great thing with his 43 folders, and he's a really smart guy. Yeah. Um, he was much less I, – I pictured him older and grouchier for some reason. He was like a terrier. He like he actually hugged me when he says, oh, you're <laughs> that guy for me. He's like he hugged me. Like, really? really? hugged me. Wow. He's hilarious. I love Merlin, man. I know. He's great. And he, he told me to tell you that he's a big fan of, your, obviously, your stuff, and he said he uses one of your quotes in like – in like a key slide in his presentations all, that he gives, so he's oh. a big fan of your, yours yeah, as well. So and I told him, I, I told saw him that he, I saw that presentation. I'm like, oh look, the zero inbox or something is that what it's called? The empty inbox yes. presentation. And I'm like, this is what I need to do. And actually, I've started doing that since seeing his presentation. So I watch it, and all of a sudden, he's quoting me. And <laughs> yes. this is a really weird circular. So yeah. Merlin Mann and I are just going to go in a room and just sell each other rocks for the rest of our lives and get rich selling each other rocks. We don't need the rest of you other people. And I told him that you're also a big fan of his uh, his podcast, uh, You Look Nice, you look today. nice today. is hilarious. And I did relate to him that the joke you subjected me to. XL. <laughs> and he started laughing because he, he finished the joke. He knew exactly what I was talking about. He's like, <laughs> it's like, and the L stands for large. <laughs> so, that's a, that's, that is the funniest podcast. And they, re, they really do it. I mean, they, I, I wish we could put as much work into it. I think they probably record several hours and spend a couple of days editing to, to put that together as, as, with as high quality as they do. Right. No, I'll definitely link it in the show notes. But I, I just want to mention that before we end. You look nice today. Big. Definitely not safe for work. I'll <laughs> say that in advance. But, but definitely the best, probably, probably my favorite podcast of all time. Yes. Well, any any other final notes before we? Call no, it we really we spent a lot of time talking about Stack Overflow, but it really did like I mean I mean the beta launched and there was just so much to talk about. There was a lot to talk there. about. Uh, in uh, future weeks, so maybe we'll hopefully get a little bit back towards um, more of a combination of talking about software development. And there's a bunch of stuff that uh, I've got some good questions queued up uh, cool. about software development issues that are relevant to Stack Overflow and, and not. And uh, to our listeners, if you have any questions, let's see, I guess we should do, we should do some quick announcements at the end. Uh, again, a reminder to sign up for the beta for Stack Overflow. It's your last chance to get that badge. Uh, and um, that was the first thing. Now, what's the second thing? Oh, we've got this conference coming up, the Business of Software Conference, which we mentioned early on. Jeff uh, is not coming, but, but uh, I'll be there. Um, and uh, just just Google for business of software and you'll find that it's a couple of couple of days um, with some great speakers like Seth Godin and um, me, Eric Sink, Jason, uh, Freed. Jason Freed, who else do Richard we Richard Stallman. Richard Stallman. Well, that's going to be interesting. Um, talking about the business of software. So uh, that's in Boston in a couple of weeks. Uh, Fog Creek is your coupon code. Really? Yeah. Hundred dollars off. Um, and uh, finally, if you have any questions for Stack Overflow or comments or feedback or anything you want to send us, uh, what you got to do for the podcast is record it as an audio file and then email it to uh, podcast at stackoverflow.com. And if we've got time, we'll play your question and uh, maybe even answer it. So I think that's it. Uh, thanks uh, for coming. Any last uh, words or promotions or uh, side comments? No, thanks, Michael, for being on the call. It's great to finally meet you. Yeah, it was good to meet you, too. I hope we meet in person sometime soon. We will. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone, and I'll see you next week.
You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky. Our website editor was Jeff Atwood. The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.